Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specializing in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specializing in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello and welcome to episode 17. Today, we are talking about what you should think about when negotiating your job offer. So this comes up a lot for clients. And the question is, should you negotiate? Are there times when you should negotiate and times when you shouldn't? What is it? What is it all about? And what can we actually negotiate when it comes to a job offer? So if we start with whether you should negotiate, then I am firmly in the camp of it's a good idea to negotiate. It's really a question of how you go about that. And I think that's why... This episode hopefully will be really helpful because we'll explore some of the kind of practicalities. And I think if you don't have the confidence of how to approach it, that's sometimes where people can back off and not negotiate when there is opportunity to. And I think one of the things that I would say is thinking about negotiating when you are on the receiving end of an internal promotion, as well as when you are a job seeker being offered a role by a new business so I think again people sometimes when you've got the existing relationships internally and it's you're offered additional responsibility or what have you a different role then it's sometimes hard to find the ways to actually start that negotiation how to have it what have you so yeah I'm I'm definitely in the pro camp when it comes to negotiation having said that I have also seen it where years ago I worked for founder-led business and the founders there were really quite shocked sometimes when candidates actually tried to negotiate so I do appreciate why people sometimes feel nervous because they don't want to seem rude they want to seem grateful and glad that they've got an opportunity but I think that's why it's just so important to find the right ways to do it because it is, it is you're setting yourself up aren't you for that new role yeah exactly and I think that's a great point that you've made there about the internal promotion as well because sometimes it's so easy to get swept into that new job of being offered this great opportunity and the place that I work and all of the excitement that follows and then you forget that actually that's also an opportunity to negotiate the job package as well. So I think that that's a a great point. And I think, yeah, I'm also in the camp that you should, you should negotiate, but I also know that, and this is what I see a lot from my clients. And I don't know if you, you see this as well. People find it so hard to negotiate, like negotiation. You don't, I mean, negotiating in a job so there's lots of jobs that require people to negotiate so there's loads of sales jobs and management jobs and all of this where you have to negotiate hard for certain things but what you what you can find is that people can negotiate every single day when it comes to work but when it comes to themselves and their own job packages they find it really 
really difficult. So one of the things that I suggest is pre-qualifying all of the details or the majority, the really important details before you go for the interview, because it saves you wasting your time, saves you wasting their time, and you're more likely to get the outcome that you want. And yet you may still need to negotiate, but ultimately you are going to get what you want in the easiest possible way without having to worry about having to really negotiate hard for things like salary or working conditions or whatever it is that are really important to you. What 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 are your thoughts on pre-qualifying, Jackie? Absolutely. So we've we've talked before, obviously you work a lot with clients helping them to negotiate, helping them to understand and work on their job search. And you've also got that experience of being a recruiter and being on the recruitment side. And when I've been a recruiter, I've typically been in-house or partnering with an in-house hiring manager. And I think the pre-qualification is really valuable on both sides and it's underutilized. So what we mean when we talk about pre-qualifying is being clear and understanding and having some of that expectation setting up front before both sides invest a lot of time and energy into a recruitment process. So this is the basics, the fundamentals of what is the salary or the salary range? What is the working pattern in terms of number of days, number of hours, locations? Is it remote? Is it hybrid? Is it on site? Is that up for debate? holidays, healthcare, pension contributions. If there are things that are important to you as a candidate, then asking those questions and understanding, either asking directly of the hiring manager, the recruiter within the company, or an external recruiter, if it's an agency or a headhunt type role, is so helpful because what can happen otherwise is you can get all the way down the line and I have seen this happen and then an offer goes out and the company's like woohoo we found our person the candidate is like woohoo I'm getting an offer and then there's just this damp squib of a moment where the expectations are so mismatched that it's never going to feel like an exciting you're never going to pull that back and I've seen it where people have been offered a lower salary than they're currently on for more responsibility with less holiday and a worse working pattern. And it's just because nobody at any point has, everybody's assumed that that's been taken care of by somebody else. So I think pre-qualifying and understanding what is and isn't potentially on the table is just a, a massive benefit both ways around. Good recruiters will generally take the lead and will help you do that. But if you are going for an interview and you've got someone who's inexperienced, who's kind of looking after that process, or you've got maybe a big corporate where you've got numerous different kind of people in the mix that might have advertised the role, selected the CVs, be doing the the actual hiring, then it can fall down the cracks. So yeah, massive fan of pre-qualifying. <laughs> Yeah, and it does, it really does make that difference because it does make the process smoother. And the old way of negotiating is like never name your price first. Let let them kind of name their price first. And while yeah, that could work if you 
buying a car I think if you're going to go into a process and you don't know what the salary is and you want to be paid 80k it's like would you pay 80k for the right candidate now if the answer is no because we're only going to pay up to 60 we've got a budget of like 50 to 60k for this position then you're not wasting your time or their time and the same as well with hybrid working or remote working lots of companies now expecting people back in the office people are waiting until that offer stage to negotiate that and if it's if it's something that they're not doing across the board then the chances of you being able to negotiate that are pretty slim so if you are waiting until you've got the offer which you're always in the strongest position once you've got the offer to negotiate so once you get once you've pre-qualified and you get into the process and you get to the offer stage then obviously you are in a better position to negotiate what you want but if their budgets don't align with that or their company policies and procedures don't align with that then the chances of you being able to negotiate that are slim so i suppose we could also because sometimes well people don't always know what they can and can't negotiate so it'd probably be good to to go through what is possible to negotiate at that point and something that comes up for me for my well for my clients a lot is around the working conditions so hybrid working remote working and the salary and and holidays as well they're the key things that that come up for my clients what what would you say the key things are yeah I would definitely agree those I think those and also flexibility in terms of number of days so I think there is a real increasing desire for people to be able to work part-time of some description from fewer hours per day to fewer days per week a lot of people will place a high value on being able to work part-time and I think a lot of talent gets wasted when companies are not prepared to consider their working structures but that's a really good example and I see lots of different advice on should you if you want to work part-time should you be upfront about that because you'll be ruled out or should you wait and then try and introduce that if you get a job offer and my feeling with that is that if it is a non-negotiable for you if you if you cannot or are not prepared to work full-time and a job is advertised as full-time then my view would be that needs to be at least a discussion point early on in the process because if they're not prepared to budge and you're not prepared to budge then it goes back to what we were saying of it's that pre-qualifying if they're saying well we couldn't go to three days a week but maybe we could do four days maybe we could do five shorter days if there is some movement then you can be in that position later on but yeah absolutely the the big ones is pay working conditions holidays and working kind of number of days hours working pattern I guess are, are the biggies so how would you advise somebody then if they've identified that broadly speaking they've done that kind of pre-qualifying and broadly speaking this is an opportunity that yeah potentially they could get a package that they're going to be comfortable with 
how much would you do of that discussion up front and how much would you leave for later? Yeah, so I think that that's a good question. And I think there's you've got to think about the time and the place that you have that discussion as well, because you don't want to be having those discussions in the first interview, because I think if you are sat in front of someone and you're talking through your experience and everything, and then the conversation turns to pay, it's it always it it's always a no-no really from my point of view to have those discussions in the first interview. Now and again, employers might ask around salary expectations and stuff like that. But really before you sit down in that first interview, you want to know that 70, 80% of what's really important to you is going to be okay, that is accessible for you should you get that offer. And then you go into that process knowing that when you get the offer that you can negotiate the fine details later on. And that is the way I tend to work it because from being an interviewer, from interviewing, you know, for a whole range of different positions from interviewing people as a recruiter, interviewing on behalf of clients, when you get into that, the package debate in the first interview before we've offered you the role, it's quite difficult to kind of see that candidate as what what can they bring because all they're focusing on is the money and what they can get so how passionate are they about this company and that is kind of the how I've felt sometimes when that's come up in first interviews and also how from clients in recruitment and also just general feedback across the board I mean what is your thoughts around that Jackie? Yeah, I think particularly around pay. So one specific one around pay, and I completely agree, you don't want negotiation to be a a big part. It It can easily hijack a first interview. And what you don't want is for that to be the memorable thing from a first interview. You want them to go away feeling like, yeah, great, excited to see this person again, want to definitely i can i can start to see this person in my organization in this role and therefore I, I want to see them again so you don't want to hijack that by getting into discussion on things like pay and pay probably is the biggest one i think for for most negotiations and one specific tip that i always have is do not e- either as a recruiter do not ask somebody what what they are currently on ask them what their salary expectations are. If you are a candidate, then anticipate and understand that people still will ask what your current pay is. And they will be doing that and they will make their own judgment of what they think you might or should expect once you tell them what your current salary is. So if you are asked that question of what your current salary is, just don't answer it. Tell them my expectations for this role or my expectations for my next role, if you're talking to a recruiter, are in this range. Because if as soon as you tell somebody what you're currently on, you've you've lost control of setting the expectation. And actually what you're currently on is neither here nor there. What is up for discussion and debate is what is the right package if you were to be successful in being offered this particular role. So what you're currently on is nothing to do with that. And therefore I would say be anticipate that people will ask that question, but don't allow, don't allow yourself to answer it, prepare yourself and immediately come back with my expectations are and give 
either what a specific figure or a range so that it it you use that opportunity to just set a really simple expectation and then you can move on yeah i think that's a really good a good tip because it can if, if you put yourself in that situation where you, you are sharing your current salary then you do open yourself up to them then potentially thinking could we save ourselves some money because there's there's a huge difference between what they're being paid now and what we're offering maybe we could go in with a low ball offer you don't want to open yourself up to anything like that and sometimes it's the other way around sometimes people want to move to a role that is potentially less senior than they're on for, for other reasons and if you answer that question of what you're currently on and it's higher than what they're budgeting then that can be a distraction as well because they can think oh well hang on a minute and you get all of that stuff of are they going to stay why are they prepared to accept less and all the suspicion that can come around why would somebody move for less money than they're currently on so either situation if you're either potentially going to have a very chunky pay rise from this role or if you maybe are taking a step back then in terms of salary either way around that conversation can be a distraction so this week there's there was a client of mine who was filling in an application form and was asked to declare their current salary and I said it's absolutely fine to leave that blank and it's the same it's it's that same like pre-qualification isn't it of making sure that you go into that process and there's no biases and there's nothing that is going to cause them to make a judgment either way so I think application stage and interview stage it's absolutely fine not to tell them and to do what you said and say but my expectation is and even if they ask you Again, it's like my expectation is this, obviously in line with what they're offering. And I think speaking from the kind of hiring manager side, the thing is that you just don't know as a candidate how much leeway or wiggle room or what have you they've got. Some some businesses, some organisations will work on a very, very fixed, rigid structure when it comes to salaries so it might be that there is no leeway whatsoever on salary some will have a situation where they have budgeted for example whatever the outgoing candidate was and they will struggle to pay anybody any more than that because of how they're managed against their budget constraints others will and, and it's an interesting one when you see jobs advertised without a salary, which is incredibly frustrating as a candidate and is often a sign, not always, but often can be a sign that they don't either don't know what they're going to pay or they don't want to publish it because of lack of transparency internally. And that if somebody sees that advertised externally and sees the salary range, that it could cause issues internally. So it's not always a red flag. But definitely, I would say if you see something without a salary range advertised, it could be for that reason. It could also, though, be because this is, for example, a newly created role and actually businesses like I work with quite a lot of SMEs where if they're creating a new role, there's almost that element of, well, 
we could we're going to have to rejig responsibilities and within the department so depending upon who we see and who is in front of us and what they bring to the table and what we can carve up slightly differently we might not really have tied down all of the detail of what we want and therefore what salary we want or it might be that we've just got more flexibility that if we get an amazing candidate we have got the ability to pay and and to budget for that and if we get somebody that has less experience but lots of potential then we will go for a lower salary but anticipate that things will have to work differently in terms of roles and responsibilities so it's not always a red flag when there's not a salary but it certainly is a sign that you need to do some of that groundwork because you need to understand what's what's behind it, what's going on, and how rigid or flexible is it to have those salary conversations. Yeah, definitely. And also from the other side of that as well, if there is a salary advertised. So one of my clients recently, there was what looked like the perfect role, but the salary wasn't enough. So there was a abandon on the ad. So she says it looks perfect what should I do should I just apply and negotiate at the point of offer and I said no the best way to do this is to give them a call and ask them for the right candidate would you pay and I think it was like eighteen thousand pounds more than what was on the ads would you pay that for the right candidate they came back and said we would definitely consider it now hardly anybody ever does that because they'll just take what it says on the advert as as what it is so they came back with the offer that was top of the range she then was able to go back and say, when we had the first conversation, you said that you would pay more. They came back and said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. And we will. Here's the offer. So they they offered the amount that she wanted. And she was able to then look at all of the other stuff that was involved within that offer, review the contract and accept and sign and all the rest of it. And it was a pretty smooth negotiation process. Had she not have had that conversation before the offer before the interview actually if she's not done that and got to that point then both on both sides it could have been a waste of time it could have it could have caused that feeling of kind of why did you apply without checking and the other way why won't you pay for the right candidate I think if if you pre-qualify that and ask the question what's the worst that they can say no we wouldn't pay up to that much or no we wouldn't offer the working conditions that you want and then you say okay that's brilliant and you're on to the next one no time wasted and it's not a problem to ask and for me that is that is really part or the start of that negotiation process because negotiation isn't just about when you get that offer and the backwards and forwards I think the negotiation starts when you apply for that position as you're going through the process absolutely and what else would you advise so then when we've talked quite a bit about negotiating on pay which generally is the biggest area that is up for debate and discussion how about how would you introduce if somebody wanted for example a hybrid or remote and that company policy is for argument's sake two days a week in the office is fairly common and that was a game changer for somebody and they were kind of like, what well, it's it's further away. Don't mind doing that once a week or once a fortnight, but I can't commit to doing that two days a week. 
how would you advise a candidate to start negotiations on that aspect? So I think if you you're at the point of so if it's before you've even started the interview process and if you are doing if you are pre-qualifying it, then it, it is literally just a case of would you consider X for the right candidate? So if it's around working in the office or remotely or whatever, you know, state exactly what you want. Would you consider this for the right candidate? Then you kind of you, you've got your answer. If you've gotten through the process and you've been offered the position and now you're negotiating it then I think the best way to do that is to talk them through why it's important to you why you think that it, in this situation it would be the best solution for you to do that I mean if they the problem that you've got with some companies now is that they've got a policy in place and everybody is following the same policy so you would need to come up with a good argument around why you're different to anybody else why it would make a difference it could be that your commute is slightly longer so if you do that commute that's less time that you will be focused on but it is that you do and so there's there's loads of different ways that you can negotiate that and the key part of negotiation is showing them the benefits of you doing something for them to get them to influence them and to get them to agree to that then you need to obviously show them what benefit it's going to bring to them, what benefit it's going to bring to the company. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago about emotional intelligence and about the importance of empathy. And I think with negotiation, it's really about having that capacity and that ability to step into the shoes of the other side and think about what what might be the reasons that they might not negotiate what might be the things that would make it more appealing for them and really see it from their side. And I, I think with something like homeworking, hybrid working, it's quite an emotive, or has been at times quite an emotive topic where people are kind of like, well, why do we need to be in the office two days a week? And I can do it from home. Or sometimes it might be, can we try it one way and then if there's an issue and I think one of the big ones for companies is you're absolutely right is they don't want to start offering new people something better than what they're offering to existing employees and that I would actually say that's a good thing and if working from home more is perceived as better which it might might well be then I think it's about understanding okay why should I be treated differently And how can I express that to them in a way that is compelling and helps them to see the benefit? And while they might want you as a candidate, actually, it's also recognizing that as as for that business, going outside of their own policy for somebody new might feel risky. It might feel that they're going to get kickback from existing members of the team and that might actually not be the case. It might be that the role that you're doing, for example. So I had this situation where I was recruiting a recruiter and therefore for them to do their role effectively, they needed either meeting room space because they were doing a lot of initial um, sifting of applications and initial interviews or working with hiring managers. So for in-person interviews of course it made sense for them to be in the office but on the days when they weren't doing that 
it made no sense for them to be in the office as much. So it made, because otherwise they were going to have conversations about salary and all of those sensitive discussions. And it was a mostly open plan office with a limited supply of meeting rooms. So you really didn't want somebody coming in only to have to be stuck in a meeting room because the types of conversations that they were going to be having was not appropriate to be having in a big open plan office. So I think it's thinking about some of those nuances and elements of the role can also make that a more compelling argument because that way almost what you're doing is giving them, if they do get kickback from other people of why is that new person been able to work from home more than I can? Well, if you've given them a really good rationale, then they've already got that to repeat and it makes sense and it's understood. Whereas if you haven't really got one other than I just like to work from home more and I don't really like having the commute, then that's not going to fly for them in that form. So I think it's really understanding how they can express it and agree it in a way that's not going to cause a problem. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that is the more compelling the argument, the easier it is to negotiate. Like if you can bring them around to your way of thinking and make them see why to benefit then you're going to put yourself in a stronger position yeah and is there anything else that you kind of advise people to consider as part of negotiation then just before we wrap up I think the thing that I see also a lot is around people taking it personally when they don't get the offer that they want and they take that as a real personal attack but I thought they like what they hears in the interview they've offered me the job so they must have liked me they must like what I can bring they must have had confidence that I can bring that to why the low offer and I think sometimes it's not always about the person that's interviewing you or even what they thought of your abilities what it comes down to is company budgets and constraints and sometimes companies will just go in with a low ball effort the initial offer because some people will just accept that as well so it never take the offer personally obviously if you get more than what you're expecting then that's amazing but where you don't or where you feel like maybe they've cut corners on things for the job package as a whole don't take that personally just take that as it's it's a business decision take the emotion out of it and then that's where then you can hone your negotiation skills and get that to where you need it to be. But if you go into that process feeling really deflated and upset because it's almost like a personal attack on your ability to do the job because they, they've not offered you what you wanted, then if you go into that process deflated, then you'll probably find that pretty difficult to get through. Whereas if you go, right, okay, that's your business decision. Now I am going to, I'm going to argue against this. I'm going to now negotiate for what actually I want, what I need, and we're going to move this forward. And you take the emotion out and you treat it like a business decision for you as well. And I think that for me has been really successful. So when you're waiting for that offer to come through, like never be offended by it take it on face value and do what you need to do to get what you need. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I would say is to not underestimate the range of things that might be up for discussion and negotiation. So as a hiring manager, 
I've had people negotiate on the basis of getting healthcare for their family as well as for themselves, on the basis of their pension contributions, on the basis of their number of days holiday, on the basis of us paying the bonus that they were going to lose if they came to us and handed their notice in. And all of these we've been able to find some agreement on as well as working pattern and number of days. So I think sometimes people forget that there are a wider range of things that they potentially could negotiate on and almost get so fixated on salary that that becomes the be all and end all. And actually there are a whole range of other things that sometimes if they're not prepared to move on one, they might be prepared to move on other things and that sometimes can be a route to get a better package overall if those other things are of value to you there's no point negotiating on things that aren't that aren't going to make you feel any better if you get them but sometimes there are ways to negotiate a better package overall without it having to necessarily all hinge on salary and working pattern if anybody is struggling with negotiating job offer or has anything to share around negotiating their job offer, then we'd love to hear what your experience was, how you overcame any challenges, and also if there's any top tips that you'd give having been through that process as well. Absolutely. So as ever, thank you for joining us. If you do have any topics that you would like us to include on the podcast, then drop us a message. LinkedIn profiles are linked in the show notes. So you can always connect with us on there and drop us a message. And we will be back again with the next episode next week. Thanks for listening.